Thank you for tuning into this webinar, Successful Outsourcing, When to Do It and How to Manage It. This webinar is hosted by AGH University and presented by AGH Employer Solutions. AGH Employer Solutions is a team of professionals that helps employers, business owners, and human resource professionals hire, compensate, manage, engage, train, and retain one of their most critical resources, their talent. Today's speakers are Cindy McSwain and Jandria Blumenhurst. Cindy leads Employer Solutions Outsourcing Services Group. Prior to directing the group, Cindy served AGH's audit clients for 10 years, working with a wide range of middle market, closely held, and family-owned clients. Cindy's clients cross over many industry sectors, including manufacturing, distribution, restaurants, retailers, healthcare, and not-for-profit. Jandri is a financial and accounting consultant for the outsourcing group. She helps clients with a broad range of controller services. She's a certified public accountant and a member of the AICPA and the KSCPA. Today's webinar takes a look at one of the more talked about topics in recent years, outsourcing. Today's webinar will touch on what is outsourcing, why you should consider it, what you could outsource, when to begin outsourcing, and how to choose a provider. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Cindy McSwain, and Jandria is uh, with us as well. I want to thank you for joining us on our webinar today. Uh, we hope that we will provide some insight into the world of outsourcing, and uh, we'll be switching back and forth a little bit throughout the webinar. In order to offer uh, CPE credits, we'll be engaging you with polling questions from time to time throughout the webinar today. So the poll is now open. And for this question, it is, how much do you currently outsource? Is it nothing at all, very little, a fair amount, everything possible? So we're going to leave the poll open just a little bit here. Um, the answers I see that they're starting to come in. And we have a wide variety, it looks like, on the line with us today from different industry sectors. Um, I see some from the financial institutions, some from manufacturing, um, some from the printing area, some from the public sector, education, and government areas, too. So we're going to try to hit things for everybody. Uh, we're going to close the poll now, and the results will come up. And it looks like most of you are saying uh, very little. And 17% of you are actually saying nothing at all, and the remainder are doing a fair amount. So our guess is that you're probably outsourcing a little bit more than you think you're outsourcing. So want to see if that mindset changes as we go through here. So let's start down the road to outsourcing. Here's some of the objectives that we want to cover today. And sometimes um, the concept of outsourcing can seem big and complicated, but we want to break it down into some very simple and straightforward concepts. Uh, we're going to talk about what it is, why, when, what, and how. Pretty easy. I want to start off today with what is outsourcing. And a lot of times there's misconceptions about this. So I think it's easiest to talk about what outsourcing isn't. So first off, this is the first thing that I think pops into everybody's mind is that, you know, the pink slip is coming or you're going to terminate employees so that you can outsource the job. That is not necessarily what it means. It doesn't mean you start uh, shoving people out the door. Sometimes it just means that you better uh, redeploy the existing people that you have and put them in uh, things, areas that they're better at. It's also not necessarily that you're shipping jobs overseas. 
Another misconception that I get sometimes is that it uh, is some sort of magic and kind of like pulling the rabbit out of the hat. Outsourcing doesn't necessarily fix everything overnight. Um, just like there's truly no magic weight loss pill, although I think we all wish there was, uh, there isn't a magic fix for all your problems. Weight loss pills, the plans, the diets, they're merely a tool or an aid to help you in achieving your goal. The process itself requires discipline and exercise and due diligence. Similarly, outsourcing still takes oversight, a, a process, a routine, and a lot of communication and sticking to a plan to make sure that you have the success that you want. I'm going to tell you several times today uh, that just like in any business, outsourcing providers uh, are, are in the business to make a profit. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. That doesn't make it a bad thing. It's just something that you need to be aware of at all times. So what is a simple definition of, of outsourcing? This is it. It's on your screen now. It's simply obtaining goods or services from an outside supplier instead of using it internally. Seems pretty simple, doesn't it? Now there is a big caution that comes with this that I want to make everybody aware of. You are still responsible for the oversight of that process. An outsource vendor can completely mess up and cause you problems. We hope that's not what happens, but it is possible. And while you can hold them accountable for whatever they've done, it's still your organization and your reputation that's on the line. And so it's 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 um, necessary that you maintain good lines of communication and oversight at all times. So just to make sure that I keep people's attention, I always throw a cartoon in or so. And this is one of my favorite comic strips, Dilbert. The office manager is explaining to the employee, Ted, that his position is being outsourced to the Dogvert outsourcing company. So Ted, full of wisdom, he you know, leaves and he goes out to find himself a new job and it just so happens to be with a Dogbert outsourcing company and he walks back into his boss's office saying, I'm back. Now you might be laughing, but sometimes this can actually be reality. Actually it's not necessarily a bad thing if you actually liked Ted, but perhaps you didn't need his services on a full-time basis. On the other hand, it's not such a good thing if you didn't necessarily care for Ted. In that case, you can sometimes talk to that outsource vendor and make different accommodations. So now I want you to uh, take a second to think about what kinds of things or services you are already outsourcing. Now back on our poll, most people said they're either outsourcing nothing or a fair amount with a little over half saying very, very little. So what kind of things in your personal life are you outsourcing? What kind of things in your business life are you outsourcing? This is where I think sometimes we don't necessarily think about everything that we're doing. In our personal life, if we have children, many of us, um, if we're working, we're outsourcing the childcare, the education of our children, unless we're choosing to homeschool. Uh, those of us who are fortunate enough uh, are able to outsource housekeeping, hair, nails, lawn maintenance. Uh, some have personal shoppers, personal bankers. Uh, so even in our personal life, there's a lot of things that are getting outsourced. On the business side, you know, you might consider are you outsourcing your janitorial needs, maintenance, IT, marketing. Um, there's a list up here you can read through. Employee benefits. There's probably not too many companies who are actually 
taking care of every aspect of their employee benefits. They're outsourcing that to some type of an insurance provider or some type of a record keeper. So this is dating my age here a little bit, but um, I'm hoping there's others out there who might recognize this family. Of course, it's the Brady Bunch. So if we think back about the Brady Bunch, Mike Brady, the dad, was a great architect. His wife, Carol, was a great mom. But they needed some help with the day-to-day -day management of their household. And so enter Alice Nelson uh, at the center of the family. And you know, actually, when the, when the credits rolled at the end and at the beginning of the show, she was in the very center square of the Brady uh, set of nine squares there. Alice brought a sense of order to the chaos in this family. She was the perfect partner. She translated Mike and Carol's vision into the daily life of the Brady household. With Alice a part of every family escapade, her role was an inherent part of their ecosystem. So just like this family, I guess what I'm here to say is don't be afraid to bring in partners to fill in where you or others in your organization fall short. And that's really what it is, and we'll talk about this kind of throughout today as well, is that it's a partnership. We live today in a highly specialized world, and businesses need to focus on what they do better than anyone else, rather than getting bogged down in the areas of weakness. So understanding who you are requires a pretty solid appreciation for who you aren't and where your weak spots are. Real quickly here, I wanted, um, I put this slide in just to kind of show you that outsourcing is actually an, an industry of its own. There's actually associations out there for outsourcers to belong to. And this one here is a list of, this is the top seven out of 100 that are out there. But you can see over there on the right-hand side that these outsourcers are making uh, substantial revenues and having a substantial employee base. Some of those I think you might recognize. So let's now move into our second polling question. The poll is now open. This question is, why would you consider outsourcing? Would it be to save costs, improve efficiency, cover operational risks, enable a better focus of time on your organization's mission, or I'm just not going to consider it? And by the way, in this particular poll, you can select more than one. You can select as many as you want. I see some of the answers are coming in here. Um, as we go through today's webinar, if you have questions or anything, feel free to submit those to us, and we'll either try to address those while we're on the line or make sure that we get responded to you at the end. So let's see. Let's go ahead and close that poll out and show those results. Most of you are saying that you would outsource to either improve efficiency or to enable a better focus of your time on your organizational issue. Mission, excuse me. Uh, some of those are cost saving and some are to cover operational risks. We're going to move now into uh, why outsource, and it's going to cover some of these reasons that we just put this poll on. Um, and I'm going to turn it over to Jandri at this point. All right, thanks, Cindy. Good afternoon, everyone. We're going to talk a little bit about the advantages and the disadvantages of outsourcing. Um, outsourcing, first of all, let's the organization and their people uh, do what they do best. Um, a company, a, a gentleman or a, or a lady does not start an engineering firm because they're good at industrial cleaning. Uh, they're going to go into business for what they are good at. And so um, that uh, outsourcing allows those people to focus on that and then um, 
continue uh, on doing the outsourced items on uh, without outside people. Um, I talk to a lot of private sector business owners who just want to build a better widget or whatever it is that they do so they can grow their business, um, and those are the creative people. Or there's some owners who want to get out and expand their market base and sell more, and those are the salespeople. And too often they get stifled with doing the stuff that they aren't good at or they don't particularly like, such as human resource issues, approving things, or signing checks. Uh, a second advantage um, is it lets the experts take care of things they do best. Um, in the poll, it did talk about improving efficiencies, and that's what this would allow to happen. Um, the outsourced company has an expertise and experience in doing what they do. For example, I had a young daughter who spilled fingernail polish on the carpet in our bedroom, and we all know that fingernail polish just does not come up out of carpet. I could have rented a carpet cleaner to uh, clean that up and do it myself, but I knew it wouldn't come out well, and I didn't want to waste the money, so I just bought a rug and I covered it up. And the next time I had my professional carpet cleaner come out, I mentioned it to him, and because he had experience doing uh, cleaning of fingernail polish out of carpet, um, he knew what to do to get the stain cleaned up. And so now, happy to say that you can barely tell where that stain was. Um, also, the uh, outsourced company, uh, or the person coming to do it, generally don't have other duties they have to attend to while they're doing what they do well. So in my example, the carpet cleaner was not worried about other areas that needed to be cleaned. He was just concerned with the carpet. Um, they're only wearing one hat at a time, and so they can be more efficient at doing their job. Uh, a third advantage is that you can use outsourced services on a fractional basis. Uh, you may need a human resource professional, for example, but you may not need a human resource professional on a full-time basis. So you can use them um, on a timeshare plan and continue to get the level of expertise that you would have um, if you had hired someone. You would only use what you need, and that professional can provide that services then to other businesses as well, and that means that it would create a cost savings for you and for each person. Um, another great reason is that uh, if you have a lot of turnover in a specific position, uh, this could be related to not being able to hire at the level that's needed and the person gets frustrated, or you do hire at the right level, but then that person gets bored because they don't have enough to do in their area, uh, so they end up doing busy work. And if the that particular task or job is outsourced, you aren't responsible for hiring and retraining the replacement person should they leave. This not only frees up your time or your employee's time, but it can cut down on lost productivity for that position. And the biggest advantage for risk management, uh, for outsourcing is in risk management. Perhaps the person internally that's doing the job currently is not formally trained and so there are potential for mistakes. Uh, this is where you would start seeing fines, fees, penalties, that sort of thing, because something isn't being done on time or it's not correctly. Uh, these are the things maybe that keep business owners up at night. We see this generally uh, in income taxes, payroll, and human resource areas, and even in legal areas. Now, uh, with outsourcing, there are also some disadvantages, but we are uh, hoping that uh, we can explain how those will be mitigated with, uh, within the organization. 
there can be less control when you outsource. Uh, the people doing the work for you, even though you are paying the organization, they aren't your employees. So you, you do lose a little bit of that control. For example, if you hire out the cleaning of your offices, let's say, you may have some say in what day and what time you want that cleaning to be done, but it may be subject to when they have availability, or you may have to pay extra if you want it done on a specific day that's very busy. Another item might be that you like the lemon-smelling cleaning products, but they only use pine-smelling cleaning products. If that's really important to you, you may have to negotiate it, and again, that may be a cost. Uh, that you have to add, uh, and you can put that into your contract. Um, if it's not important, maybe it's something you just live with. This would be where communication with the provider uh, is very important, and you need to manage that relationship. And the key uh, is making sure that they're aware of what your your wants and needs are. Uh, if they don't know, they, they can't fix that. Secondly, there may be hidden costs. Um, again, as Cindy said, the provider is in business to make a profit. And you want to make sure you understand how all the fees are charged when they kick in, when there may be price breaks and that kind of thing. When you are comparing providers, as Cindy's going to talk about later in the webinar, make sure you're comparing apples to apples and that all providers are proposing on the same services. And be sure to ask about what's included and what's extra. That could uh, make a difference on who you select. A third uh, item would be uh, being comfortable with how the provider will protect your information. A lot of times we outsource things that have a lot of sensitive information, and this could be payroll or human resource functions, legal information or trade information. Um, if computers or the internet is used to transmit this information, uh, what is their backup system and what kind of security do they have in place to prevent hacking? And if something does happen, what's their plan, uh, both to let you know and how to recover the information? Public relations could be another uh, area that you would have to cover that can seem like a disadvantage. Um, there could be uh, public funds used for some of the services. If this is a governmental agency, um, it would need to be addressed on how this is better or more cost effective than doing it internally. Employees may question, as Cindy said earlier also, um, they may uh, question about, is my job going to go away? You may also need to discuss the difference between outsourcing and offshoring, uh, that these are not going overseas. That could be another area that gets questioned. And then uh, lastly, you're placing your trust in a third-party employee, uh, third-party that isn't your employee and you have less control. Um, so what is the community reputation of the provider? Uh, be sure to check the references. That would be very important to make sure that you trust that provider. And then how do you feel about them during the proposal and the interview process? Are you comfortable with them? Do they seem trustworthy in the way they're answering? Or are you uncomfortable with how they are going through that interview process? Now Cindy's going to talk about when to outsource. I don't know about you guys, but I think this slide might just say it all. Um, my short answer is to when to outsource, whenever you feel or look like this. All right. Um, actually, there are some key times to, to actually think about it. The first one is, these are questions when I go out and, and talk to uh, my clientele or just business people in general. You know, I ask them, I say, what is taking up your time? 
that is not productive for you as a business owner or as the controller or as the HR person? What is it that you're doing that you wish you weren't doing every, every day? We call those the time suckers. Um, you know, secondly, what are your biggest causes of frustration? What keeps you up at night? What causes your employees to be unhappy? Why do they, why do they leave? When is it when you sit around or somebody in your organization sits around and says, there's got to be a better way to do this. There's never enough hours in the day. Um, it might be a situation of, you know, we've never had it. We, we don't know how to do it. Don't know where to get it. Lack of expertise. And so I'm just frustrated in trying to figure this out on myself. Um, another frustration that we see a lot of is declining quality from somebody doing it in-house. And that doesn't mean that, that that's a, a bad employee or an incapable employee. You know, sometimes you get into areas that are so specific and so highly regulated and, and there's so many changes that it's really hard to stay educated and stay at the top of your game on every single point. And so that's another time when it's, it's good to consider. Are you experiencing any unnecessary costs? This really comes into play uh, when we talk about penalties and fines and late fees. Uh, that, that's kind of the easy answer, and, and we see that a lot. Um, another question to ask yourself, though, on cost, is it costing me any money? Am I losing customers? Is there a reason that some of my customers are walking out the door that's costing me money? It's costing you money in the fact that you're losing revenues. Um, I have an example of uh, a, a company that's not here in, in my locality. Uh, they were doing their own invoicing. It's a startup company, but they were doing their own invoicing, and uh, they were not having any cash flow, and they didn't understand why. And so we sat down and we started looking at the processes and uncovered the fact that they didn't really have anybody that had any time to do the invoicing. Well, I think you guys all kind of know the answer to that. If you don't invoice your customers, there's no way they're going to pay you, and then there's no way you're going to get cash. So, you know, we simply took over doing some of the invoicing for them, and, and it was amazing. Cash started rolling in the door within about seven days. Um, you know, so sometimes it's just the simple things, and it's the things that we're not even thinking about where, you know, where we might be not necessarily costing us money, but we could be getting more in the door than what we have. The last thing, and Jandria touched on this a little bit earlier too, is the biggest area of turnover. Is there a position that you have that just constantly is rolling over? I think we all know that uh, the cost of turnover is not just the cost of hiring somebody new or the placement or, or you know, the time that it takes to do the interviewing. There is some real training that's involved in that. Around here uh, where we work, you know, I'd say it probably takes three to six months to have somebody fully trained up. Well, if that position rolls over every six months, I am in a constant state of training. And that is, that's a cost, whether it's on the person that's doing the training or the person who's being trained. So again, you know, if, if, if you just make a list of, of these areas, those are some uh, key identifiers, I think, as, as to maybe finding areas where it might make a wise choice to outsource a function. I'm going to toss it back over to Jandria now to discuss some of the most common areas uh, to be outsourced. She's going to go through some of this fairly quickly, but they're at least uh, they're trigger points to get things into your head about what might be able to be outsourced. So Cindy already talked about the biggest categories of time suckers, frustrations, high cost areas, and turnover. Now we're going to get into some more um, detailed specifics. 
this can be broken down into these three general categories, the routine accounting services, upper-level finance services, and other professional services. So we're going to start with the routine accounting services. These are generally um, things that are done, again, that may uh, have some high turnover, or maybe you just don't have anyone in your organization that is an expert in this area. This could include payroll and timekeeping, accounting, bill paying or invoicing, general ledger type items, internal audits, um, tax compliance. Uh, most people probably have their income taxes outsourced, but property and sales tax can also be outsourced. Some upper level finance services would include budget preparation. Uh, nobody ever seems to have time to work on this because everybody has other duties they do the rest of the year. So this could easily be something that is outsourced. Grant management or accounting in the not-for-profit area, uh, special financing projects, feasibility studies, um, any kind of analysis or project management, general overall financial consulting, perhaps even a buy-lease analysis would all be things that could be done. Other professional services would, uh, as, as seen on the screen, you've got technology and marketing, um, software applications or cloud-based software as a service, outsourcing the backup or security of your IT system, um, human resource functions. This can include temporary fill-in uh, positions, job search and placement, compliance, employee manual, uh, or organizational development and coaching, legal counsel, education of your employees and training, perhaps a, like a safety training, um, an outside sales force, uh, including lead generation or telemarketing, uh, deliveries like shipping your product or having a courier service. And then in the benefit area, we've got designing group benefit plans, uh, workers' compensation and liability claim administration. We could outsource administrative things just as like mailings, like a postal pre-sort. Uh, printing, your stationery, envelopes, business cards, marketing material, even return reply card processing, um, janitorial services like office cleaning or industrial cleaning or even like construction cleanup, uh, maintenance of equipment or vehicles, uh, vehicle fleet, if you have a large fleet, that is something we commonly see outsourced. And then some governmental agencies um, buy products and service from other governments such as fire and uh, EMS may be bought from the county or water production. And I'm going to take this opportunity. This is Cindy again. Sorry. As we flip back and forth, I'm going to take an opportunity here just to give you an example of something that I ran into a couple years ago. Uh, I was out talking to a, this was actually a municipality that had, oh, 300 employees and then it, it's seasonal in some of those governmental entities. And so in the summertime, it crept up to, you know, 450, 500 employees. So a fairly good sized uh, organization. Um, and so I went back through that slide that we did a little while ago, and I said, you know, what are your biggest time suckers? What is it that you're doing that you wish you didn't have to do? What, you know, what really drags about your day? And the person I was talking to was in their HR department, and she was telling me that uh, one of the things she had to do was manual data entry for uh, entering time into the payroll system so the employees could get paid. And, you know, she, she said, yeah, but I've got it all fixed. It's fantastic. 
So I said, well, tell me a little bit more about that. And so what she was telling me was uh, they had a completely manual timekeeping system. Uh, I guess it wasn't a timekeeping system, a timekeeping process where they were you know, still punching time cards. And she said to take all those employees, and then they had to break it down. They had a, a number of different earnings codes. Like there was uh, regular hours and overtime hours and vacation hours and sick hours, and there were about six different codes that they were using. But she said it took her about a day and a half every week, and they were paying on a weekly basis. So 12 hours a week that it was taking to manually data enter, enter all that information. And she was telling me how she automated that. And so I said, really, I love to hear stories like that. Tell me more. And so she had set up an Excel spreadsheet that she was keying all of that in and basically letting the Excel spreadsheet do the math and add it up. And I said, well, what do you do with that spreadsheet when you're done? She said, well, then I turn around and I, I print it off and I manually key in, you know, into our payroll system. She goes, but now it, it cuts my time in half. It only takes six hours per week. So she was still taking nearly a full day a week to manually just input time. So uh, I asked her, you know, what it would, so I, I started adding that up and I thought, you know, if you could just implement a time clock and put that into, into place and your supervisors would go in and approve that time, you could schedule, it would make things a lot easier for a lot more reasons than just the manual entering of, of data. Uh, I said, you know, I think you could kick this out and have it done in about two hours a week. How would that be? Well, you know, it ends up that what, what it was taking her, you know, four to six hours a week to still enter all of that, that data, just by saving four hours a week times 52 weeks in a year, that's over 200 hours in a year to implement something that's relatively simple and relatively inexpensive to do. Now, does that mean that person's going to lose their job because it's outsourced? No, but I know in the governmental field that, you know, uh, headcount is a huge thing. So, so if you can re redeploy those 200 hours into another area of the organization, you know, maybe you don't have to hire somebody else to, to take care of some other area. So it's even simple things like that, but I thought maybe a, a, an example would be good to kind of give give to you. And if we have some time at the end, I'll give you a couple more examples that uh, of things we've seen that actually save time. So just to kind of wrap up what Jandere was talking about, you know, there's, there's all kinds of areas there. Routine, the routine accounting services, I think, are the no-brainers that we always think about. Um, but the others are kind of more, you know, project-based or one-offs, if you will, or any of the other professional services that are out there. So just again, to make sure everybody's still awake, I throw in another cartoon. Um, I don't think this is what you want going on in your organization, but, you know, these are two little kids who I think just had their house robbed at Christmas time, uh, peeking out saying they think that maybe Santa's been outsourced. Not exactly how we want it to work. So it's time for another polling question, and I think we've got the polls open now. This one is, what factors do you think are critical to, most critical to a successful outsourcing relationship? And we're going to talk about these here a little bit, but is it the relationship between the client and vendor? Is it a well-structured, well-engineered contract? Is it a strong management team on the vendor side, or is uh, it internal oversight of vendor services, and I believe we can answer more than one. Um, this is a single 
single answer. Okay, this is you can only so pick your pick your most important one, if you will. And I see answers coming in. I do appreciate you guys responding to the polls. It does give us some information as to um, what's going on in in your particular business. I think we'll go ahead and shut that down now and flash the answers up on the screen for you. The majority of you, although it was a majority, it's almost 50% said the most important thing is the relationship between the client and the vendor. And, you know, personally, I would probably pretty much agree with that. I think all of these are important. Um, a well-engineered contract got very little response, and the rest of it was split between the other two, uh, the management team and, and oversight. So thank you for participating in that. At this point, I want to move on to our final topic, which is how to choose a provider. Now, what I have in these slides coming up are, are pretty much just some graphics, and we're going to talk through them. But I want you to know that if you're interested in getting a more detailed checklist of everything that I'm going to go through, uh, you can certainly shoot me an email or contact one of us, and we will get that out to you. We do have it in, in more of a checklist form. So basically, I've broken this down into six steps. And again, I always like to, to, you know, if it's a big elephant in the room and we don't know how to do it, it's really a project and it's project management. But every project can be broken down into uh, what I consider bite-sized steps. So um, it's analyzing what your needs, identify what those potential vendors are, then go through a series of interviews one time, two times, making a final selection, and then negotiating that contract at the end. And then I'm going to tell you when we're done, there's more after that. This is actually the process of choosing the provider, not necessarily uh, the ongoing relationship. So the first step here is to analyze your needs and desired outcomes. If you don't know what it is that you think you need in a very clear and delineated format, there's no way you're going to be able to explain that to a potential outsourcer or a potential vendor. So I recommend that everybody sit down as a team, you know, pull in the people who, who have their hands in it, and analyze your needs and write them down. Because if you can commit them to paper, then you can go ahead and turn around and and supply that information to your prospective vendors. Document your existing processes. You may not like them, but go ahead and document them because that's going to help you to figure out what your desired changes are. Document what those desired changes are. What is it that you what you want in the outcome? Determine your time frame. And I'm gonna I'm gonna caution you guys here to be realistic. We all want it tomorrow, but every project is a process and it does take time. So it's interesting when we get asked to propose on things, some I get a, a response that we want you to turn around and propose in a week and we want it implemented within the next 30 days. And I, I'll work with some other clients who will actually say, you know, this is a six-month process or this is a 12-month process. So I see them all over the board. Some I think are more realistic than others. Uh, so just, just try to be realistic with it. And determine how you're going to evaluate this whole process. You know, how are you going to make that decision? Are you going to... Uh, put it through a scoring grid and, and make it very meticulous? Are you going to, uh, you know, have some type of matrix? Are you going to go with your gut and feel, you know, go with who feels comfortable? Um, it, it's things that you need to, so that you're not doing it with emotion at the end. It's something that you need to decide before you go through the process how you're going to do that. So once we've kind of figured out what the scope of our project is, now it's time to go out and identify just the, the great big pool of potential vendors. 
Uh, how, so how do you do this? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, there, there's, able, there's ways to go out and research. Uh, Google is your friend. You can do a lot of things online. Uh, I suggest you go into trade magazines or trade associations and see what kind of information you can get from that. Um, if you're looking for a software product that will do something specific, go into that trade area or go into you know, different software sites that are out there. Ask around. Personal experience and friends in the industry is always the best reference that, is, that you can possibly get. You can go through a formal request for proposal, sometimes called, called an RFP process. I know a lot of times the public sector will do that. I see a lot of that sometimes in the private sector as well. I will tell you to please be, as a vendor who goes out and responds to some of these, please be specific, identify your timeline, and be reasonable and, and help to identify what that scope is. Other times, uh, there's, there's organizations who go out for what's called a request for information or a request for qualifications. Maybe that project isn't so specifically defined, and maybe there's some areas for you know, modification or there's some gray areas. At least with that, you're, you're getting a feel for who might be able to be qualified to help you with your needs if you can't quite get your arms around what that ex exact scope is. So when you're looking for a potential vendor, what do you look for? You need to look for expertise. You need to make sure that they, they know that they have expertise in the area that, that you want them to have ex expertise in. Make sure they have experience. How long have they been around? And do they deal with companies like yours? I tell you, there is no business like your business. And so it's important that you know, if you're in the lawn and garden industry, you find somebody who's touched in the lawn and garden industry. If you're in manufacturing, make sure that they've dealt with other manufacturers. If you're in the, the public sector, um, and I get asked this question sometimes you know, with payroll. Have you ever done payroll for public sector? Do you know that the fire and safety stuff uh, over time is different? You know, make sure that whoever you're looking at has, has that expertise. Uh, resources, you know, do they have the resources to maintain their business? Are they credit worthy? Do they have backups? Do they have a, is it, what's their plan for growth? Are they flexible and scalable? If you plan to have changes in your business over the time that you might be using that outsourcer, it's important to know that they can grow or shrink with you depending on, on what your needs are. What's their customer service like? And are they a stable type of company? So once you've got that great big pool, you're going to narrow it down, and you're going to choose how many you want. Um, you know, I went through a process of choosing a software vendor about five years ago. And I think I probably started out, my great big pool was maybe 20. And I narrowed it down after doing a little bit of research to about 10 for this step. Uh, you can, there's no magic number. You pick what you think is appropriate. But the next step that you need to do is do some initial interviews. And these are going to be short, quick. They're probably phone interviews. Uh, but you're going to prepare a list of questions and subjects. And I, I advise you to use the same criteria, the same questions for all your potential vendors, because otherwise you're going to get confused and not know what the answers really meant. Analyze the RFP responses. You know, pick up the telephone, call them if you have questions. Document the responses. And, and this is sometimes where I think it's important to put them into a scoring grid or a matrix. And then you're going to start narrowing down the field. You're going to, you're going to narrow it down by who, who meets the most criteria that's on your list, who made you feel the best. Um, you know, some, of, some of the characteristics may be physical, some may be emotional. Uh, but it, as long as you did 
that analysis up front as to how you were going to critique them, it makes it easier at this point. So then naturally, you're going to feel good about you know, maybe a third of those, maybe 25% of those, maybe only one of those. Uh, it, it, it really depends what you're looking at. But then you're going to narrow it down to maybe your top two, your top three, maybe your top five. And you're going to do a more detailed, specific interview. That might be a live presentation. It, it might be face-to-face. -face. It might be, you know, you, you get to determine how that's done. You might have them do demonstrations. Like, uh, as an example, when I was choosing a software vendor, I put together different scenarios that were important to me. And I said, don't just tell me you can do it. Show me how you can do it. Customize your software so that it works for my situation. If they want your business, they're going to do that. Talk to them about a transition plan. Is it clear? Is it logical? Is it reasonable? What's their time frame? Conversions of anything. When you're moving from doing something in-house to something out-of-house, it's a process. They don't just happen after overnight. There has to be a plan for that. Understand who's in charge, who's doing what, and what the flow of command is. And then understand how the, how the relationship will work. This is a long-term partnership, hopefully. And so find out how, you know, how, what that looks like. Get a clear understanding of all the pricing. Are there hidden costs? What happens if there's modifications to the scope? Are there change orders? What happens? So this is the time when you get very detailed. You ask a lot of questions. If, you're, if your prospective vendor out there gets irritated and annoyed by some of your questions, well, that's probably going to be a little bit representative of how they might work in the, in the relationship. So, um, you know, as long as, as long as the questions that you're asking are reasonable, that's good. But this is your chance to kind of dig in and, and really uh, figure out what's going on. So after that, uh, you're, you're going to have, this is the tough part, when you come down to your final selection. Go backwards through your process. Go back to that first day you sat down and, and analyzed out some selection criteria and realized what they look for. Uh, we mentioned this earlier in the webinar, but I'm going to tell you again, obtain references. Not only obtain references, but call them and talk to them. Ask the, the prospective vendor for a similar organization, somebody that's, that's in your industry. Um, somebody that's new, somebody that just recently transitioned to make sure that um, you understand how that transition works. You know, uh, when people ask me for references, I will tell you, yeah, I go give them my best, ven my best customers that are out there. I give them the, the references to the people who I know are going to give me, you know, the glowing, fantastic recommendations. Uh, I think it's important, though, to ask, you know, who is somebody who has just come on board? I want to know what that situation looks like. Um, who is somebody that's in my, my same industry so that I know how it works for, for somebody like me? Uh, prepare a list of questions so that, again, all your references are asked the very same thing. And ask those references, what do you like about them? What do you don't like about them? What do you wish you could change about them? It's not an interrogation so that you're trying to tear that, that vendor apart. You just want to be well. Everybody has strong spots and weak spots. So you just want to be well-versed and understand um, exactly kind of where you're at. Um, ask them about the transition. Ask them about customer service. Ask them about hidden fees, flexibility, um, all of those types of things. Once you've made that selection, it's not done until you actually have a contract in hand. And sometimes I think contracts can seem scary and uh, are you know, part of a legal process, but they're out there to protect both you the customer 
and the vendor, the outsourcer. So make sure that you read the terms of the agreement. A lot of times it's going to be that, that contractor or that vendor's, uh, it, it's their initial, they're the ones that are going to provide you with that contract. But don't think that um, you can't make changes to that. You can. So make sure that you read the fine print. If there's something in there that you don't understand or don't quite agree with, make sure you ask that question. We get, we get questions like that all the time. You know, hey, can you take this clause out? Can you, can you modify this one to say something different? Sometimes our answer is yes, sometimes our answer is no, but you know, you, you, you never know the answer unless you ask the question. Um, with outsourcers that I work with, uh, yes, we outsource some of our stuff as well, but outsourcers that I work with, when I look at those contracts, I make sure that I'm comfortable with that contract, and I may put certain things in there that I want to make sure that they're doing. So it's, it's not uncommon at all. Look for the hidden fees, look for liability issues, have another set of eyes review it. Maybe somebody that's close to the process that you're, you've just gone through, and maybe somebody that's not so close to the process, because uh, somebody who hasn't really been with their hands dug deep in might give you a different um, opinion or different ideas than, than you have come up with because you've been so ingrained in it. Um, you might consider review by legal counsel. It kind of depends on what the contract is. And then after that, I, I would suggest highly that you periodically go back and review that. Keep it in your desk drawer so that you, or on your, on your uh, network so that you can pull it out from time to time to make sure that both ends are holding up to what was agreed to, that the prices, you know, that the prices are staying, getting charged for what they said they were, that the service being rendered is, is what it was supposed to be. So again, this is just kind of a, a breakdown of you know how to step through that that project management process, if you will. I'm going to let Jandria talk a little bit now. Now that we've gone through the process and we've got that vendor in place, what are the success factors that we need to be thinking about? All right. Well, understanding goals and objectives of why you want to outsource is very important, and and we had a poll on that. Um, you know, is it to contain risk? Is it to make the people within your organization more efficient? Is it to get a level of expertise that you don't have internally? That would be, you know, something you'd want to evaluate. Uh, think about the strategic vision. Don't just do it because someone else suggested it. You know, even within an industry, one company may have an owner who's stronger in the finance area where another has a strength that's in another area. So just because someone did it doesn't mean it's for you. You would need to look at your organization and see what is, is that is missing or strong within your organization. And Cindy just went over selecting the right vendor. This will make all the difference in the world. Uh, is having that partnership, someone that you can talk to and that you can trust that will be flexible to do what you need. Cindy also talked about structuring the contract and make sure that you're comfortable with that before you sign it. Uh, both pricing, both uh, some of the legal terms, that kind of thing uh, all needs to be done. And then you need to manage the relationship. This is not just a sign on the dotted line and it's all over. As you go through, your needs may change slightly, or if an area that was giving you problems early on it gets fixed through outsourcing, maybe it's time to move on to maybe the next question or, or problem that you're having in your organization and see if that vendor can help with that as well. And then just be sure to communicate. Uh, we keep saying that, but it really is important. I communicate with my clients 
you know, many of them daily, uh, weekly, monthly, depending on their needs. Uh, and that's not just with your with your direct contact person. Make sure management, upper management, is happy with what is going on. Uh, any affected groups that might be in there. I'm going to give an example. Um, I had a client that I worked with. They were in the construction industry, and we went in, and they couldn't figure out why they were losing money. And we started looking at their sales, and we found that they were selling a lot, but they were selling a lot of a product they were losing money on. And it was a real big decision for them to drop that product line because it was the main source of their revenue but not a main source of their income. So they were able to drop that and it allowed them to concentrate on the things that they were better at and making more money at. And that was probably seven or eight years ago and that company because of that decision now employs many, many people, uh, 60, 70, 80 people, they've got multiple divisions. And in this case, uh, I worked with them for seven or eight years, and they got so big they no longer needed my services. We grew them large enough that they were able to bring that back in-house and, uh, and do the accounting within their organization. So we consider that a success story because they were able to more or less get away from the road to losing the company to growing so much uh, that they need different services within our organization.